What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, continuing in my series uh, about what this current state of uh, the NBA is. Um, and I'm going to take a different tack on this one because I'm going to kind of go with what we've been talking about and kind of lead into a different set of things that the Nuggets can overcome. I'm going to present solutions, um, which is something that uh, collectively we are not used to in this era of uh, social media. You know, we've, we, we are still with the problem and that's the first half will, the first half of the podcast will be the problem. Second half of the podcast will be the solutions uh, for the Nuggets. It very specifically, um, we are still in the midst of ESPN not being able to comprehend the Denver Nuggets as the one seed in the West. Um, in a very weird way, they were able to comprehend the Utah Jazz better than the Denver Nuggets when the Utah Jazz were the one seed a couple of years ago. Um, it is, it is for some reason unfathomable. And I've, I don't think it is a market bias. I just don't think people care about the Denver Nuggets. It's not an animus. It is not hate. It is they don't give a shit, which, you know, some in some ways could be worse. In some ways, could, that could totally be worse. Um, but with what we've seen with the um, MVP race is completely different from the way that the national media treats the Denver Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets are not cared about enough for people to do their homework. Some of that bleeds into the coverage of Jokic, but Jokic is such a, because he has won two MVPs, you can't ignore him. So the block, the box store, excuse me, the box score people will follow Jokic for what he is putting up in order to contrast that with Embiid and Giannis and even Jason Tatum. You pay more attention to the numbers when you are paying attention to the MVP race and all of that right there is completely different from the coverage of the Denver Nuggets. And if anyone watched ESPN when the Nuggets played the Grizzlies on uh, Friday night, you will notice that Richard Jefferson went out of his way to try to be to be to stake out the contrarian positions with Jokic. Um, I'm going to tell you right here and now, I don't think Richard Jefferson believes anything he says, and I think that largely goes back to his entire career. I don't think Richard Jefferson really has a core ideal. I think that Richard Jefferson says what he says. Um, and I think that part is easily dismissed. If you know Richard Jefferson, you know that he is not a guy who has any sort of core beliefs. And it makes someone like that more easy to kind of dismiss, specifically when it comes to analysis um, of any team. Um, and it's largely a reason he survived in the NBA for so long. Uh, I'm saying this as someone who covered Richard Jefferson back in 2017, 18. I think that was the year he was here. Um, he came in the year after Mike Miller was here. 
And I don't think he necessarily enjoyed being a guy who never got off the bench. He wanted to contribute because he was playing on a team with a bunch of young people. And I think that part was uh, not something that he enjoyed. Um, I don't think that affected his coverage. I honestly don't believe Richard Jefferson has an ideal. He just stakes out contrarian positions. So we can dismiss that. But the worldwide leader, ESPN, has had issues. They have had issues covering the NBA the last several years. And it is something that the NBA has struggled with. Due to the ESPN's issues with actually generating money, they have resorted to the hot take machine. And the hot take machine has been on first take, uh, the NBA basketball show that they that they have, um, the pregame stuff that they do, and the halftime stuff that they do. And if you notice, TNT doesn't have these constraints. TNT exists in a completely different universe than ESPN. We may or may not like or we may like or dislike what the TNT uh, crew says, but they aren't under the same pressures that ESPN is. ESPN has airs more games, and they are they have a featured element. TNT, outside of airing the games, doesn't have have stuff that they need to fill airtime with, right? They just have their pregame show, their postgame show, and the games. So they don't have the same issues. And in that way, TNT is a lot like the um, NBC was prior to ESPN getting the coverage. The, 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 the issue that, was, that has cropped up is that due to 24-hour news, and this is what happens when the NBA anticipated getting into ESPN, um, shifting of, of the, 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 the coverage to cable quote unquote, which is what it was back in 2002 when they, they switched. Um, one of the unintended consequences was the need to fill many hours a day with something. And it accelerated in how bad it is by the time we get to about five years ago and the need to have hot takes, to have engagement, to have all of that stuff, really, really the crux of it began to metastasize after the Rose rule. And I've discussed how the uh, agents really infiltrated ESPN in, in their coverage and their influence be due to the, their reliance on former, former players um, so you have a nexus of influence, but in more than that, you have to, in order to gin up ratings for something that you've invested a lot of money in, uh, which was circa 2014 is when they committed this money to uh, the NBA in order to make, to gin up the ratings and make what you invested that much more profit, I wouldn't say profitable, but more meaningful, um, you have to gin up the hot, hot takes. If the NBA wasn't, wasn't on a 24-hour network, there wouldn't be the need to generate these hot takes. 
the coverage would be more fair. There are legitimate criticisms of Nikola Jokic. And I honestly, if someone wants to present a case that Giannis Antetokounmpo or Joel Embiid or Jason Tatum are the MVP of the league, um, I'm, I'm listening to them. Um, but it becomes the teardown factor, which gins up ratings, which in turn helps agencies. Um, and it's this vicious cycle that keeps perpetuating over and over and over again. The Denver Nuggets have been affected by this in a sense that it affects Nikola Jokic. The way the NBA, you know, I think it was at NBA Today, uh, the show is called right now, Malika Andrews' show, they, that entire panel picking the Lakers, if the Nuggets played the Lakers, that is completely predictable. None of these people have ever watched a Nuggets game. And if they did, it was only when they played the Lakers. Nothing has changed from the 1990s, folks. None of these people give a shit. And this is not something to get you upset at them. The Nuggets have, by and large, had not given people a reason to pay attention to them. <laughs> we, need to, we need to understand this. The Nuggets have been their own worst enemy when it comes to coverage. Um, people kind of blame market size and all that stuff. And there's some factors there. And obviously there's there's some elements there. And David Stern, as I discussed in the past, never really cared for Denver um, as, a, as a basketball town. However, the Nuggets haven't done themselves any favor by just kind of not meeting expectations and being a team that just kind of fades out and doesn't get past the Western Conference Finals. Um, at least, at the very least, the Spurs and the Pacers and the Nets have all made themselves unignorable. The Denver Nuggets of those ABA teams that came into the NBA in 1976 uh, have not done that outside of the 70s when they were legitimately the best team in the NBA. Uh, as And I, I highly suggest everyone listen to Bill Simmons' podcast with uh, Chuck Klosterman that he did uh, this last week. He talked about David Thompson and Denver Nuggets and how they were legitimately a great team. I, I highly suggest that you listen to that. You know, I have my gripes with Bill Simmons, uh, as, as everyone does, but I think... You can say that he genuinely appreciates the history of basketball and he knows his shit. And I think he he genuinely understands how good that Denver Nuggets team was. On the flip side of this, then the the way you overcome this is by winning. And on the other side of the break, I am going to talk to you about how the Nuggets can just make their own way and not have to worry about all this stuff. It's uh, pretty simple, but uh, I think it needs to be said. But first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th, and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. they got locations in Fort Collins and in the dairy block. Um, they got some... Only they only got about four varietals of from their own Sonoma County uh, reds. They only have four um, right now. It'll expand as the the year goes on, but they don't have a big selection of Sonoma County ones. But they do have a very 
fairly wide selection of Colorado wines. So if you want to try out the, some of the wines on the Western Slope that are reds, they got those there. Um, the Western Slope specializes in Rieslings. So if you have a sweet tooth and you like that kind of grape, uh, try out the Rieslings. Um, the Rieslings are very, very, uh, it's, it, it's an interesting, it's a very sweet taste to it. It's not a dessert wine. It's very light. It's very good for the summer. So with spring coming up here, you know, it's a good time to kind of try that out. Uh, but they got everything you really need in your favorite wine bar, and it's in a beautiful location. And it's uh, if you want to go to the Milk Market or any of the one of the restaurants down there, maybe pregame yourself at Blanchard Family Wines or stop in afterwards for a nightcap. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.bfwcolorado.com. See? I did it again. Uh, <laughs> they're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. It was 1978, and um, Brian Taylor just quit on the Denver Nuggets. Just quit. He was their point guard, and he had made them the second-best team in basketball, just behind the Blazers. Um, This neatly coincided with Bill Walton getting injured. And Walton's injury and Brian Taylor... Leaving the Denver Nuggets fundamentally changed the histories of both of these teams. The Blazers were heading for maybe a repeat, and the Nuggets were heading for maybe their best team ever at that point in time. And both the injury to Walton and Brian Taylor literally quitting on the Denver Nuggets altered the histories and completely changed the trajectories of these franchises. It was the next year that uh, Larry Brown and uh, Carl Shearer decided to trade Bobby Jones to the Philadelphia 76ers for uh, George McGinnis in a move to help them combat some of the bigger uh, interior players that the uh, Western Conference had. But more than that, it was a moment where the Nuggets could have made their pedigree. If Taylor doesn't quit after Walton gets injured, the Nuggets win the title. Even with that, the Nuggets were the best team in basketball at that point in time. When when I say this, it's that the Nuggets have, aside from that moment in time, if you go further, it was injuries in the 80s and running up against the Lakers. In the 90s, the Nuggets basically, uh, aside from 94, were uh, not great, not good at all. Um and in the 2000s, uh, they underachieved, you could say. And um, the one year they were able to get there, threw two inbounds passes away and didn't meet ex- expectations. The Nuggets' history is littered with not living up to what that they could have. Nuggets' history is lived up to, not lived up to their own expectations, the ultimate way for the Nuggets to actually silence the issues that they have had, specifically with uh, Nikola Jokic and uh, the way the Denver Nuggets are perceived, is to win games. 
And winning games, as simple as that is, and as insulting to the intelligence of people as this is, the best way to do this is for the Nugget to con- to take this into their own hands and make themselves unignorable. And essentially, that is what the Pacers and uh, Spurs did in the late uh, 90s into the 2000s. They and, and in fact, the Pacers were great throughout the 90s, but the 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 the, the, the Spurs specifically when they got David Robinson were kind of in that Nuggets area. The Spurs, the Spurs were uh, a ignored market. They were the team that no one cared about that came from the ABA. Um, you could even say in the eighties the Denver Nuggets were quirky with their way they ran their offense and their high scoring games. Um, by the time you get to the 90s, the Spurs were a good team. In fact, at sometimes a great team going up to uh, David Robinson's MVP year in 1995. Um, but they never met expectations. By the time 1999, 2003, 2005, 2007, and 2014 roll around, the, the Spurs make themselves unignorable. By just winning. And here is here is the big secret. Is that the Nuggets can't rely, and Nuggets fans can't rely on um, the cheerleading that the Lakers get. Um, the Nuggets can't rely on any of that. The Nuggets are going, are ha- going to have to be the ultimate self-sufficient team. They need to be the team that just wins despite it all. And it seems like a lot to overcome, but it's not. Um, Because we are more exposed to media and all its trappings right now, we kind of take all of this to heart and maybe take it too much to heart. In the end, it's just noise. And if the Nuggets control their own destiny, um, none of this will matter. All the you could talk about all the inbound passes in 2009 that you want. The Denver Nuggets were leading at halftime in game five after those two inbound passes with the series tied 2 2 and completely fell apart in the second half uh, in, in game five of, against the Lakers in 2009. Completely fell apart. That was on the Denver Nuggets. That is the that is uh, game five is the day the game where uh, uh, Kenyon Martin grabbed Paul Pau Gasol by with his legs and got himself a technical foul. I mean the Nuggets lost game three because J.R. Smith was an idiot and shoved or, and, and taunted uh, uh, Sasha Vujacic. Right. A lot of these things were elements where the Nuggets were their own worst enemies. Um, but in the end, what it takes is just winning the ultimate championship. The ultimate championship is the NBA. It's not the NFL. It's not the NHL. It's not even major league baseball, which is a different set of things. It is the NBA because it's the hardest one to win. And you have to be the best team in basketball. In the NFL, it's just one game elimination. You don't have to be the best team in the NFL to win the championship. In the NHL, you certainly do not have to be the best team 
you in nine times out of 10, it takes a hot goalie. It is a, it is a war of who has the best team and can solve the most problems in the NBA. And in history, the Denver Nuggets have not been that team, but they have a chance this year, despite what you've seen at ESPN, what I've told you with ESPN, all this extraneous stuff, despite having the perceptions stacked against them and the fact that they don't get coddled like the Lakers do or any of the East Coast teams do. If the Nuggets truly win a championship this year, it'll because be because not only did they earn it, but they overcame. And it should feel fucking amazing when they do it. Because it takes so much to win an NBA title. It didn't... I, I've always told people this. It's like I, you have to legitimately, because of their series in the playoffs, you have to legitimately be the best team. It is the most rewarding one because by the end of it, you know that your team was the best team in basketball. There ain't no flukes in the NBA. Maybe aside from the Pistons in 2004, who were fortunate to not face the Spurs that year, who were probably the best team in the Western Conference. Um, aside from that, I can't think of many anomalies. I cannot think of many anomalies in the NBA. The, the, you cannot look away from NBA history and see the teams that won the title and think that they didn't earn it and they didn't, weren't legitimately the best team in basketball. Yes, there's quirks. Yes, there's plays. Yes, there's things that you have to over overcome. But if you are legitimately the best team in basketball, you will win it, no matter what the other circumstances are. And for Nuggets fans this year, you have the best chance that you've had in ages. As I said in the offseason, in my series of uh, No Excuses uh, series, where I talked about Malone... Specifically, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., even Jamal Murray. This is this is really, this is where they have to make their bones, where they have to step up. And I was extremely happy to see the way they fought in that uh, game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they were pl- shooting like crap, and yet. In the fourth, third, end, the end of the third into the fourth quarter, they put their foot on the necks of the Grizzlies and the second best team in the Western Conference, and they did not let them up. And any Nuggets team, any Nuggets, excuse me, any Nuggets fan who was watching that needs to be 100% loving what the Nuggets did in that game. The Nuggets flipped a switch and understood that they were the better team. And you know what? That's what you need in the NBA. The Nuggets, for the first time in ages, maybe since 2009, showed themselves to be a team that was willing to to choke a bitch out. Pardon my use of expression. <laughs> they were able to do that. And they showed that they were that type of team. 
I was more encouraged by that win than I have been in a win in a long, long time. And Nuggets fans, in order to overcome all this nonsense that you've been seeing, the Nuggets need to just win. And if they do it, all this stuff, all this stuff will be just a joke to you. All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.